Greetings, this is podcast number 40 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. The main segment today will be about how the burgeoning costs of the Iraq War are just what the right wing wants. We'll also spend some time with Clem, or rather, an email from Clem, who isn't very friendly towards me, as you'll find out. Oh, let's get right into it. In this first segment, I'm going to talk about the skyrocketing cost of the Iraq War and how the right wing really feels about spending such enormous sums of money on it. My sources here are the Associated Press, ABC News, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Boston Globe, and the British newspaper The Independent. So, how expensive is the Iraq War? Quote, the cost in treasure continues to rise from 48 billion in 2003 to 59 billion in 2004 to 81 billion in 2005 to an anticipated 94 billion in 2006, according to the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments. Annual war costs in Iraq are easily outpacing the $61 billion a year that the United States spent in Vietnam between 1964 and 1972 in today's dollars. Close quote. In total, the Vietnam War wound up costing $584 billion in 2006 dollars. Iraq will easily exceed that. More expensive than the Vietnam War. More expensive than Nam. It's hard to get my head around that one. In fact, total costs for the Iraq War could be one trillion dollars. That's a thousand billion dollars. Almost twice as expensive as Vietnam. Quote, ABC analyst Tony Cordesman who also holds the Arlie A. Burke Chair in Strategy for the Center for Strategic and International Studies, says the exorbitant costs come down to poor planning. Quote, when the administration submitted its original budget for the Iraq War, it didn't provide money for continuing the war this year or any other. We could end up spending up to $1 trillion in supplemental budgets for this war. Close quote. Of course, poor planning might be a euphemism for lies. The Bushians didn't provide money for continuing the war, so the budget figures would seem less alarming. That's not just my opinion. Jeremiah Gertler is a senior fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies as well as former staff member of the House Armed Services Committee. Quote, Annual war expenditures in Iraq will almost certainly come close to doubling since the U.S. invasion as the military confronts the rapidly escalating cost of repairing, rebuilding, and replacing equipment chewed up by three years of combat. 
Such costs were always there, Gertler said, but Bush administration officials and members of Congress put off maintenance and procurement expenditures to keep the war price tag down. Close quote. Do you remember some of their lowball estimates? They got more and more ludicrously low to the point of zero. Check these out. In the quote, weeks before the war, a White House official was rapped on the knuckles for suggesting the cost might be between $100 billion and $200 billion. Donald Rumsfeld, the defense secretary, was touting, quote, a number that's somewhere under $50 billion. Paul Wolfowitz, now president of the World Bank, but then Mr. Rumsfeld's deputy at the Pentagon, even theorized before Congress that the post-invasion period might pay for itself as Iraq's oil revenue soared. Close quote. Pay for itself, huh? Like with all right-wing policies, what Wolfowitz predicted would happen if we followed his proposals is the exact opposite of what has come to pass. Not only is Iraqi oil not paying for the war, but the lack of Iraqi oil on the world market is helping drive up prices here in the United States. Quote, With oil prices above $70 a barrel, dismay is focusing on Iraq, whose exports have slipped to their lowest levels since the 2003 invasion. It has never regained even the reduced production levels that prevailed in the 1990s, when Iraq was under tough UN sanctions. Iraq's oil could be providing relief to world markets. Instead, it's not even covering its own needs. Iraq's sputtering oil sector has defied optimists, led by Vice President Dick Cheney and former Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz, who hoped booming exports from Iraq could pay for its reconstruction and help satisfy world demand. Close quote. Okay, they lied, and we're wasting hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. Are the Bushians worried about the high cost of the Iraq war? Of course not. Believe me, the Bushians don't care at all. In fact, they're happy to be able to spend so much money on the war. Why? Two reasons. We were warned about the first one 45 years ago by a Republican president, Dwight David Eisenhower, in his farewell address of January 17, 1961. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals.
so that security and liberty may prosper together. Yes, that's Ike's famous warning against the military-industrial complex. And as he feared, its power has led to much abuse. A great friend of the Bushians, the defense industry, is making huge profits off all this spending, off the blood spilled in Iraq. A couple of months ago, I told you that as a percentage of change from 2004 to 2005, profit figures from military contractors are way up. General Dynamics up 19%, Northrop Grumman 29%, Boeing 37%, Lockheed Martin 44%, Raytheon 108%, and the grand prize winner, guess who? Halliburton up 292%. And we know the right is big on family values, so they make sure that their family members are also able to feed at this trough. As we discussed a few weeks ago, Bush's Uncle Bucky has made millions in war profits. The second reason the right is tickled pink by all this spending on the Iraq war relates to this quotation oft used on Blast the Right. Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. The connection between the Iraq war and Rush Limbaugh's boast that the right will destroy Roosevelt's social safety net programs? Well, you can take care of Roosevelt's programs by legislatively abolishing them, that's one way, but hard to do politically and, frankly, not sneaky enough for the right wing, which likes to effectuate its policies while claiming to do the opposite. So another way to take care of Roosevelt's programs is to defund them, to starve them. Remember what Republican strategy guru Grover Norquist, one-time right-hand man for Newt Gingrich, infamously said, quote, My goal is to cut government down to the size where we can drown it in the bathtub. Close quote. This starve-the-beast strategy of Grover Norquist is usually thought of as being accomplished by tax cuts to reduce government revenue and thus provide an excuse for draconian cuts in social programs. Well, spending huge sums on the Iraq war similarly reduces the amount of funds available for the social safety net. The right then claims that social programs must therefore be defunded in order to prevent the deficit from getting even larger. Eisenhower anticipated this as well, as he told us in another speech. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants 
each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete pavement. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. So you see, escalating war costs in Iraq are just fine with the Bushians because their defense industry allies are enriched and an excuse is created to defund and thus destroy, take care of, as Rush Limbaugh put it, the social safety net. Enrich the already rich, cause grave harm to the least of these, why, that's the right-wing agenda in a nutshell, isn't it? Now I'm stocking shirts in a Walmart store Just like the ones we made before Except this one came from Singapore I guess we can't make it here anymore Should I hate a people for the shade of their skin Or the shape of their eyes or the shape I'm in Should I hate them for having our jobs today No, I hate the men sent the jobs away I can see them all now, they haunt my dreams All lily white and squeaky clean They've never known want, they'll never know need The don't stink and the kids won't bleed The kids won't bleed in the damn little war and can't make it here anymore and now a word to tickle your funny bone from another progressive podcaster it's in the form of a right-wing commercial you're listening to podcasternews.com do you know, Do you know your, your local congressman? It's a fact that the Democratic Party is overwhelmingly pro-choice and pro-gay marriage. They hold radical beliefs such as free speech and the right to privacy. You don't need you don't need privacy if you're not hiding a suicide bomb underneath your jacket. Nine out of ten Taliban prisoners interviewed in Guantanamo preferred Democratic candidates. Osama bin Laden even mentioned one in his recorded messages, which begs the question, recorded threat to America or secret message to sleeper Democratic candidate hellbent on the destruction of our Judeo-Christian values. Fact, Jesus Christ is a renowned Republican. We know this because George Bush regularly talks to God. Check out all the great shows at www.podcasternews.com. This has been Gonzo Gone Wrong. For a closing segment, I thought I would share with you all some of the pleasure I'm privileged to enjoy from reading through hate mail. Some are so vulgar, I couldn't read them on this family-rated podcast. One did just come in, however, that incorporated a couple of the common themes that 
right-wingers endlessly parrot after their generals, Limbaugh, O'Reilly, Hannity, give out the marching orders. I'll read my responses to a right-winger we'll call Clem. That's close enough to his real name. He never wrote back if I could identify him or not. Clem lives in a deep southern state, not known for its tolerance or open-mindedness. What you hear me say back to Clem can serve as a model, if you like, for when you hear these types of insults from your friendly local right-wingers. I interlined my responses throughout his email, so that's how I'll read it to you. Clem starts off. Jack Clark, you are a nitwit. You hate the United States of America so much. I responded, If you criticize a friend and suggest ways for them to improve their behavior, do you hate your friend? Or is it more accurate to say you are expressing your concern and, yes, love for them? Clem went on, Leave it. Go somewhere morons like you can rule. Iran, Iraq, or how about Cuba? I replied, Look in the mirror, buddy. Apparently, you'd be happier there, since I'm not suggesting you leave because I disagree with what you're saying, but you're the one suggesting I leave because you don't like what I say. You're the one who apparently doesn't like to hear dissenting views. You belong in those nations. P.S. Iran is a theocracy, and Iraq soon will be. So someone like you would be more at home there, for that reason as well. Old Clem continued, Why don't you admit it? I bet you look at pictures of Hitler and get a very small, uh, he used another word, but I'll say erection. I wrote back, That's a truly sick comment, especially addressed to a person of Jewish ancestry. Continuing on with Mr. Clem, I have lived and traveled all of our great states and would not live in a blue state where people like you live. Yes, I am a southerner in Jesus land, you freak. God, I am sure, will let you have your own hell. You deserve it. I briefly wrote back, You will be the one in hell, sir. Then I gave him a link to my website, rightwingpseudochristians.com. That's where I set out in near book-length detail the argument that it is right-wing Christians who are acting in the exact manner Jesus said in the parable of the sheep and goats would cause him to send people to hell. It is they who Jesus will send to hell. Check out podcasts 9 and 10 for my whole take on right-wing pseudo-Christians. You think Clem went to check out my website? Anyway, he continues on in his email to me. You and the likes of Ted, leave a woman in a car to drown, Kennedy, are such butt wipes. You and the people like you are what's wrong with this great nation. What have you ever done for your country except tear it down?
To answer Clem's question about what progressives have ever done for this country, I listed the following. Social Security, Medicare, Minimum Wage Laws, Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, Child Labor Laws, Environmental Protection Administration, FDA, Roosevelt winning World War II. Everyone listening to this can check out podcast number 12 for more such examples of the terrible things liberals have done. Then I posed a question to Clem, which could be posed as well to every single right-winger. What have right-wingers ever done for our country except get us in the Iraqi quagmire? Clem ends with, You, I am sure, will have a very special place in hell. A place I feel you don't believe in, but you don't have to believe in it for it to be true. Burn, baby, burn. Signed, so-and-so, from a red Christian state. Clem, you are one piece of work. As are, I'm sure you'll agree out there, all right-wingers. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend about Blast the Right. There's an easy one-click send this page to a friend link on the podcast homepage. Several dozen of you have already done so, but for those of you who haven't, please vote for Blast the Right on PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to vote for Blast the Right on PodcastAlley.com located on the top right of my podcast homepage. To all you hundreds of live 365 listeners, keep on coming to the podcast homepage and subscribing. Then you can download and listen to any episode anytime you want. Also, anyone out there who's familiar with MySpace.com and the best ways to get a lot of friends on there and a lot of exposure, please drop me a line. I'm thinking of putting up a Blast the Right page on MySpace. There's 67 million people using that sucker. Music credits. We heard We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry. CompadreRecords.com. Not the One Blues by Burnsheath Thornside. Magnatune.com. And we'll close with a bit of Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh clip. Thanks to AmericanRhetoric.com and the Miller Center at the University of Virginia for the Eisenhower clips. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the data and statistics I use on the podcast can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all those emails rolling in. I love to hear from everybody. My address, rational at adelphia.net. You can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891. You can also reach me on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. 
Treating my stars and stripes 